us, if you would, and turn with me to the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. Last Sunday evening, I made reference to this particular story, a rich young ruler who came to the Lord, and I want to, uh, I want to preach from this particular story this morning. Listen to the words of Jesus in his conversation with this man. Verse 18 of chapter 18 of the book of Luke. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor. Thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and follow the... <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> Charlie, if you'll just turn this off, if you would. And let me speak through this one. I feel uh, <clears throat> the weather has me down a little bit. And the thing about this, you can't get away from it. I can turn away from this one, but I can't turn away from this one. So let's go through this one. All right? <clears throat> then Peter said, We have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. You may be seated. This is a beautiful story <clears throat> that Jesus allowed to be placed in his word, and it is a record of a conversation that he had with a rich young ruler. I want to speak to you this morning on giving up, giving up, some aspects of giving up, the trouble in giving up. Now, <clears throat> last Sunday evening I felt inspired to, to speak from this particular story and really didn't think that I would be talking on this again this soon, but uh, I just feel definitely directed by the Lord this morning to talk about it. Of course, I talked on, about the new birth last Sunday evening and how it relates to this particular story. You see, Isaiah said, Come now, let us reason together, saith God. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. They'll be, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so the Scripture is bearing witness that when you come and give your heart to God, there is a particular reasoning that takes place uh, with God and you. Now, <clears throat> please understand that this particular story occurred prior to the day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost was that day in Acts, the second chapter, in which the New Testament church had its birth. Now, Jesus spoke to many people about Bible salvation prior to the, the day of Pentecost. Uh, Nicodemus was a man in, in the third chapter of the book of John <clears throat> that Jesus spoke to concerning the birth of the Spirit. John, the seventh chapter, the Bible says that on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood crying, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, the Bible says he spoke of the Spirit that they should receive, but the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And there were certain uh, times in which the Lord spoke 
concerning that which was to come. There were times when he spoke concerning that which was. But nevertheless, in any generation, God has always provided a way in which people can be saved. Now, this man, apparently, was doing what he felt that he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life. He had kept the law, or the Ten Commandments. But the real attitude of the law is not just in the observation of the law, but it was in a total surrender unto God. And it is possible for a person to live by the letter and not live by the Spirit. And it, it appears that this is what this, this man was doing. Now, we want to just walk through this conversation as we begin our message this morning. Now, notice what happened. There was a certain ruler that asked him, saying, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this same story is found in Matthew 13 and also in Mark 10. The Bible calls him a rich young ruler. In the other passage, the Bible also says that he came running to Jesus. Now, when he came running to Jesus, that denoted, uh, <clears throat> that denoted uh, in, in his particular case, uh, uh, a real burning desire. You don't run after something unless you want it. And so he was wanting, and he, wanting it, and he was wanting it, apparently, with uh, much more uh, <clears throat> concern. He, he was much more desperate than a lot of people today because there are a lot of people that you have to beg them to come to the Lord. But he came running, and when he came running, the Bible says he knelt down, and he looked up at him and called him good master. Now his kneeling down denoted that he was willing to submit himself to a degree. He was willing to, to worship God as he stood there in the form of Jesus Christ. And then he also denoted that he was master, good master, good, good master. Uh, Jesus then said, uh, why callest thou me good? Question mark. Notice this. There is none good save one that is God. Now, <clears throat> let me explain to you what I think Jesus was saying here. Now, you remember when they let the man down to the roof of the house, and Jesus looked at the man and said, Thy sins be forgiven. The Bible says <clears throat> that they said, Who can forgive sins save God alone? Jesus said, Which is easier for me to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or take up thy bed and walk. Now, what Jesus was doing, Jesus, when he walked here on the face of the earth, he was God with us. His name was Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. He was God manifested in the human flesh. <coughs> Pardon me. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. Now what was happening here, this man was a certain ruler among the Jews. And when he came and he ran... And he knelt down and he said, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was saying, Don't call me good, because I am not good. There is none good save God. He said, Why do you call me good? In other words, Why do you say that I am good? You know there is none good save God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, the reason why that Jesus said this, because Jesus was God manifest in the human flesh, and he was showing that he had the power to forgive sins on the earth because he was good, or because he was God, pardon me. And here they were saying, the, the man was acknowledging, he is, you're the good master. Jesus said, now why do you acknowledge that I am the good master? You know the law teaches there is none good save God. See, So what Jesus was doing, Jesus was questioning this man to get this man to understand that he really was the good master. See, there is not one place in the scripture in which Jesus ever refused worship that men owed directly to God. 
And the reason why is because he was God manifest in the human flesh. Now, a lot of people say what Jesus was saying, don't call me good. Don't ever say I'm good because there is none good save God. That's not what he was saying. He says, why do you call me good? None is good save one. Was he one with the Father? Sure he was. There is only one God, according to Ephesians 4, verse 4 and 5. Okay, <clears throat> now Jesus then said, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth up. Now, Jesus is about to test the extreme fidelity in conversion. The extreme fidelity that's found in conversion. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Now Jesus then said, I want you to go and sell all that you have, and I want you to give it to the poor. Well, now he wasn't willing to do that. He was willing to do certain things, but he was not willing to do everything that Jesus commanded him to do. Now, we're talking about giving up. <clears throat> See, the hardness is not in the new life that you find once you have been converted, but the hardness is in giving up in order to find that life. I mean, I've never seen anybody that after they gave up everything, sat around and cried a long, long time over the fact that they had to give it up. No, the hard part about conversion is in the giving it up to start with. See? And one of life's greatest struggles is opening your hand and letting something go that you consider yours. That's one of the hardest things in life to do. Now, Christianity is the only religion in the entire world that teaches at the point of conversion, it takes total self-denial in order to become a part of what you're beginning to be involved in. Now, you can be a Buddhist, and you don't have to give up everything. <clears throat> you can be a Muslim, you don't have to give up everything. But to be a Christian, you have to give up everything. Now, the problem that's taking place in the religious ranks of the world today is that, by and large, churches are teaching that you can follow the Lord and that there's no real true conversion. There's no giving up. So, as a result, you can, <clears throat> you can have some churches that will go from door to door and solicit for membership. And all you have to do is just sign on the dotted line and pledge to give so much money per month or per year and attend so many days. That's all you have to do to be a member. Well, you see, <clears throat> we don't teach it that way here. And the reason why we don't, because we do not find any scriptural evidence of conversion being like that. That true conversion takes you away from the life you were in and puts you in a new lifestyle and you actually become a new creature. In Christ Jesus. I'm in a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, creature, as found in the book of Corinthians where Paul wrote this, is talking about a new species. Now, I've got a terrible cough. And the reason why is because I got out in the weather the other day. And I worked real hard for a couple of days. And it was, it was raining and I had some work that I needed to do. And, of course, I've had this problem with my lungs. I've had pneumonia several times. Now, the reason why that I can't live underwater is because I'm not a fish. So when it starts raining, I have to come inside. <clears throat> and the reason why that I'm hacking up here and I feel the way I do and i got a terrible chest pain is because I just was not designed to live underwater. So when the water starts coming down and the atmosphere is full, I have to get inside where it's dry. And most people do. See? And, and the reason why that fish do not uh, fly in the air and have uh, nests like birds and such is because it's a different species. See? 
And when, when he said, you become new creatures in Christ Jesus, he went on to explain it. He said, old things are passed away. And listen, if old things have not passed away, you're not a new creature. See? And this business of just having an encounter with Jesus Christ, which is no more than shaking a preacher's hand, or signing your name on a dotted line and being registered in the secretary's office. Listen, that's just a big bunch of bunk. That's just not found in the Scripture. Now, do you think that Paul went from door to door with pledge cards soliciting for membership in the body of Christ? You can't find that in the Bible any place. But I'll tell you what he did do. Friend, he preached a true encounter with Jesus Christ that would change and deliver you from the sin and from the bondage of hell and iniquity. Now, he preached that. Now, we want to stick with the Bible. Isn't that true? I say we want to stick with the Bible. But, but the hardest thing, then, for people to do when they have a true conversion or when they have an encounter with Jesus Christ is to, is to simply say, I surrender Everything. I give it all up. I mean, I give it all up. And you will find that once you surrender, it's not just a one-time thing in which you give up things. You, you constantly live in a state of mind, an attitude, that everything is constantly surrendered or given up. Now, if you don't do this, you revert back to your old selfish ways in which you become extremely lustful and selfish about things. So as a result, what happens, there are too many commodities and too many natural physical things that own the Christian. See, the Christian is not owned by anything save God. And it has to be that way. Now, I remember when we made a move from uh, the deep south, I say the deep south, uh, southwest, uh, up to Wisconsin. Now, remember very vividly this particular move, and the reason why is because we were building a brand new home, and we'd never moved into this home. And so as a result, the Lord talked to me about moving up here, and uh, I had... I had uh, that house situation which I had to cope with. Now, I'd like to move in this house, this was in my mind, and live in at least a month. It's a brand new home. While we had had a fairly new home one time before, we'd never built one to our own taste, to our own satisfaction. Now, just about halfway through the construction of this home, and of course I was building myself, my wife was picking out all the colors and so forth. Sister Grant even painted all the exterior of this house, if you can imagine that. <coughs> it's hard for me to imagine it, but I actually saw her do it. But uh, And we were looking forward to moving into this, this, this beautiful new home. And the Lord called me to, to go to Shawano, Wisconsin, and start a church. Now, <coughs> going to Shawano was not the big thing. Giving up the house was a big thing. I found out that this thing had a hold of me, you see. And it should not have a hold of me. And so as a result, uh, uh, I struggled with that. Sister Grant struggled with that. We finally said, now look, when we gave our heart to God, we surrendered everything. Now this house does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And it's by His good grace that He has allowed us to build it. So as a result, we simply surrendered it. We gave it up. And we moved to Wisconsin. Now, see, the hard thing about the move was not Wisconsin. When I arrived here, it was extremely cold. We moved in the third week of January, and it was cold. And uh, in fact, it was cold, cold, cold. The night after we arrived in Shawano, Wisconsin, it was like 28 below zero. Now, that's pretty cold. We found a home, and it was so cold, and our stuff had been packed in the trailer. It, the uh, the dinette set that we had that had vinyl on the chairs and everything, when I took those out of the trailer, take them upstairs, they were so cold that, that that vinyl just cracked and split like an eggshell. 
just ruined it. It was that it was that cold. I said, "Man, I have never in my life seen anything like this." <clears throat> but uh, the truth of the matter is, the, see the the hardness of all of it was not really in 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 moving. It was not in the adjustment. The hardness and all of it was just giving up what I had accumulated down in Texas. The new life was not hard at all. In fact, I I enjoyed it. It was just, it was great. I, I just uh, appreciate so very much uh, the fact that uh, that that somehow in, in God's grace that He 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 forgave me for allowing a few things to overtake me temporarily. But just giving up is, is the hard part. It really is, and I know that that there is never a man that's converted to the Lord that doesn't think of all the things he has to give up. I mean, he goes right down the line, and he thinks about this. Why does he think about it? Because, you see, when God begins to deal with you, as Isaiah said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. There is a reasoning that takes place. You think about trading the old for the new, the old for the new, the old for the new. And because you only see the old and you don't know what the new is all about, there is a certain apprehension that comes with this. <clears throat> now, Jesus never promised that living for him would be easy. And what is happening today in this present world of ours, Christianity, by and large, is practiced by people that are very faddish. In other words, they just shift from one easy stream to another easy stream. Now, you can certainly find that. Now, see, we believe here at Calvary Gospel Church that when you, uh, when, when, when you are saved, that you will repent of your sins, that you will be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and that you receive, will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, speaking in tongues right now happens to be a real popular thing. So everybody wants to talk in tongues. Now, when I was saved, it was not a popular thing. Most churches thought that speaking in tongues was of the devil. See? Now, speaking in tongues is a popular thing. See, everybody wants to talk in tongues. I had a minister of another denomination to come and visit me uh, several years ago, right when the charismatic movement started. And he said, you know, I got a problem. He said, we got a couple of ladies in our church that's speaking in tongues. And he says, I don't know what to do with them. So he came and asked me. Because he knew that, you know, uh, by and large, our people are all tongue talkers. So I told him, I said, well, Pastor, you know, I don't really consider that to be a problem. You see, it, it, it's really amazing how things can 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 vary from church to church. See, I think we have a problem when we got a couple that won't talk in tongues. He thinks he has a problem when he's got a couple that do. <clears throat> See? And, of course, I told him this. And then I, he said, could I just come and sit through one of your services? He said, you know, I never was too good at spiritual things. Now, I don't know what in the world, you know, that he was teaching. I don't know what the... What the story was, but but anyway, he wanted to come and sit through one of our services in, in which uh, he could observe some things about the Spirit. He said, I never was too good in spiritual things. See? But you see, what's happening now is that that uh, uh, the, the Pentecostal message is a very popular one. Everybody wants to talk in tongues. Now, See, there was one lady that said, <clears throat> this is what she said. She said, Pastor, you know, I, we were talking about denominations. She said, I dreamed that I died and I went to heaven. And when I got up there, she said, I saw all of these doors around heaven. I meant from east to west, all around. There was a door here and a door there and a door here and a door there and a door here and a door there. And she said, you know, <clears throat> she said, uh, when I got up there, now this is what she said. I saw the Pentecostal door. Okay. 
And I saw the Baptist door. And I saw the Methodist door. And I saw the, the Nazarene's door. I saw the Lutheran's door. And I saw the Catholic's door. And she went on and on and on. And then, of course, she called out her denomination and she saw her door. Now, you may say, why are you saying all this? Well, it seems strange to me. You know, the first door she called out, she said, I saw the Pentecostal door. And then she went on to say, I saw my door. You know, there was a time in which all these people were dreaming these dreams and they didn't think the Pentecostals had a door up there because we were aware of the devil. But now they seem to see ours first and they try to make way for themselves. You see how things have changed around? You see, we were talking in tongues when we were of the devil. And we're still talking in tongues. And if tomorrow, if the fad that's hit the religious world, and I use the word fad because, you know, now it's just uh, fad to do things that are kind of, you know, way out. If it kind of leaves, we're still going to be talking in tongues. Because, you see, we started a long time before it became faddish. We did it because it was biblical. See? And we will do it today because it's biblical, and we will do it tomorrow because it's biblical. Now... <clears throat> I want to just go through a few things. You see, the Bible tells us <clears throat> that there are two ways in which you can live. The easy way and the hard way. Now, I'm going to reverse this around a little bit, contrary to what you might think. Okay? The easy way and the hard way. Now, <clears throat> if you will notice, in Proverbs the 16th chapter, verse 25... Proverbs 16, 25, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, the Bible also says that every man is right in his own eyes, particularly the way of the fool, the book of Proverbs tells us, that he's always right in his own eyes. Now, every man is right in his own eyes. Now, it doesn't mean every man's right, but he does what he does because he thinks that's the right way to do it. Now, the book of Proverbs is telling us there's a way that seemeth right unto man. In other words, he does what he does because it seems right. However, he has not considered the end to which his road leads. Now, Every road in life can be determined as good or bad by the end to which it leads. Now listen to me carefully. Every road in life can be considered good or bad according to the end to which it leads. Now, <clears throat> let's just drop that for a moment and then let's back up to the 13th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs thirteen fifteen, good understanding giveth favor. Now, what is understanding? Could somebody tell me what understanding is, Sister Rowe? It's having a knowledge of certain things, having a, having the correct knowledge that is applicable to the situation. Give it favor. Notice this. But the way of transgressors is hard. Do you know the Bible really says the way of the transgressor is the hard way? Now transgressor is a sinner because sin is a transgression against the law of God. Now you may say, but pastor, you said living for God was hard. I never said that. I said giving up is hard. It's not the living, it's the giving up. 
Now let me just explain to you something. You see, the Bible says that the carnal mind cannot know the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. Now the carnal mind is the mind that by and large the, the transgressor operates by. In other words, he sees things according to the here and the now and not according to the future. And so he has his mind on this particular moment. And he lives only for this particular moment and the joy and the pleasure that he gets out of this particular moment. Now, if you turn back to Luke six, Luke 18, pardon me, the story that we were reading, you see, the Lord told this young ruler, I want you to take and give up everything you have. Now, when Jesus told this man to give it all up, was Jesus interested in this man being poverty-stricken? Absolutely not. Because if you notice what happened here, the man went away, but, but when the man went away, he was not acquainted with the way of the Lord. He was only acquainted with the way of man, not the way of the Lord. Because here's the way of the Lord. Look at this, verse 29. And he said unto them, that's his disciples, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left houses or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. Notice this, verse 30. Who shall not receive manifold more in this present time. And we're going to stop there. Now, let's just assume this man was a millionaire. Now, if he was a millionaire and he gave it up, God says, I will make you a multi-millionaire. See, the problem was not in the new life that, was, that he was going into. The problem was in giving it up, what he presently had. Because the, God has promised this man that if he will give up in order to surrender to God, that God will take everything that he's given up and he will give it back to him multiplied. So the problem is not in the new life. And that's the reason why the way the transgress is the hard way. In other words, go ahead and live your life, direct your own paths the way that you want to, and what you have is what you have, and you'll have nothing else. But if you will give it up to follow me, I will make sure that you get it back in this world. This world. That's talking about your life here on the planet earth. But you see, because that this man lived only for the here and the now, all he could think about was, man, if I give all this up, there's not going to be anything left and I'm going to be poverty stricken and who wants to go around, you know, in rags? And the problem that Jesus spoke of concerning rich people in giving up is the fact that it's hard for them to surrender everything. Because they have it in their hands. They don't like to give it up. He spoke of a camel going through the eye of a needle. Of course, the eye of a needle happened to be the little porthole in the side of a wall village. And when the enemy would come in like a flood, they'd close up all the gates. And the last things that they, the last things that they closed were the upward windows and the, the eye of the needle that was down on the base of the wall. And you take a man, he, he jumps off of his camel and he runs through there and he gets his camel by the, by the bridle and, and, and rope and he tries to get that camel through that little hole. And that big fat animal's literally got to get down on his knees and he's got to do some crawling. And that's what Jesus was saying about people who hold on to earthly things. He said, oh, they can make it to heaven if they'll get down on their knees. And if they'll do some crawling. 
They said, who then shall be saved? Because they'd seen many camels that couldn't get through that little hole. And they were captured by the enemies. Jesus said, that which is impossible with man is possible with God. You know, every now and then we do get a camel through the needle's eye. And he said, there's going to be some rich people that will get down and they'll crawl. See, the hardness is not in the new life. The hardness is in the giving up. Because we, by nature, are lustful creatures. We like to get it, and we like to hold on to it, and we're selfish by nature, and we want to hold on to those things even if they kill us. But you see, the truth of the matter is, Jesus told him to give it all up, but Jesus' plan was not to make the man poverty-stricken, but to make a multi-millionaire out of a millionaire. Now, if, he did, if he's not saying that, I don't know how to interpret the Word of God. Well, that man went away sad because his riches were great. Jesus hung his head with him and said, He does not know the way of the Lord. Because the way of the Lord is like this. Every man that gives up will be compensated. So is it hard to be a Christian? Life in general is hard. Period. But you see what happens if you do not teach true conversion in which people truly give up things. Then they consider, they, con they, they continue rather to live the hard way. And Christianity, even though it appears to be apparently easy, is really hard for them. And this is the reason why there's no joy in coming to church. Even I got to go to church. I actually had a neighbor that said, look, we are required to go four times a year to church in order to be members. And some of the greatest decisions of my entire years to figure out when I want to go to church. And you go over there four times a week. What in the world do you do that's so exciting? She said, I try to go on Easter. I try to go Christmas time. And I have to attend two other times. So Palm Sunday and my birthday. Providing my birthday falls in the middle of the week. But she says, I'm not going to give up going to church on a weekend if that's my birthday because I like to party. Now isn't that exciting to think about church? And you see, that's the reason why the way of the transgressor is a hard way. Because you see, when true conversion came and confronted them, there was no true conversion at all. You see, on the contrary, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, let's take a look at that. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me, all of ye that labor. Now, why is he using the word labor there? <clears throat> what do you think of when you think of labor? You think of something that's hard, don't you? You know. You wouldn't say, <clears throat> Well, I'll tell you what. I sure worked hard today. What did you do? Well, I, I picnicked. You know. No, you consider that, see. That's, that's part of your pleasure, see. Well, I really labored today. What'd you do? Well, I just sat around red. No. What are you talking about? Laboring. You're talking about somebody that's that's under bondage. Somebody that's that's become a literal slave to what they're doing. Coming to me, all of ye that labor. It's talking about the hard way. And are heavy laden. What do you think about when you think of something heavy? Do you think I could go over here and pick up Brother Thomas? Good luck. Good luck. Now, 
Now, I'm not going to try this. Please understand. They can't do it. See, he says, I can't do it. <clears throat> See, and this is what happens when, when a person goes around with all their cares and such. You know, they just kind of double their weight. I don't know how much Brother Thomas weighs, but I'm sure he's as large as I am. Now, 150 and some pounds. <clears throat> I weigh 150 and some pounds, so we weigh the same. Okay, <clears throat> so... But you just assume that I had to go around all day with Brother Thomas in my arms. You know? And you see, when you think of something heavy, you think of, you, you think of some burden that's been cast upon you. You carry all of the weight of life, of which everybody will carry, plus an additional load. Now, if you think that life was meant to be easy to start with, that's where you're confused. Because since the Garden of Eden and since the world was cursed, life was not meant to be a big picnic. You know, every now and then I have to remind some people, they get discouraged with their jobs and everything. I say, hey, this is not the Garden of Eden. Don't get discouraged. And one thing about eternity, God shall wipe away all tears from my eyes. There shall be no more sickness and sorrow. No more pain and death. Why? Because we reach our full state of redemption. And that's, that's, that's glorious. But notice what he says. All of you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is the reason why that Peter could stand up in Acts 3.19 and preach like this. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He spoke of a time of refreshing that shall come from the presence of the Lord. Have you ever had those times of refreshing? Man, I used to chop cotton as a young kid and you talking about hot, hot and I wouldn't wear any shoes. I never wore shoes until I got pretty old. <clears throat> I remember one time in East Texas going to school, and I didn't tear, take any shoes with me, and we went into the high school auditorium and didn't have any windows, and we watched a big film, and when I came out, there was this much snow on the ground, and here I was barefooted. And I used to chop cotton in the hot sand, and the only way I could go from, from one hop to the next is take the hoe and dig down into the fresh soil, and just jump over in that cool spot. I'm serious with you. Otherwise you get blisters on your feet. The sand was that hot. And man I'd look down that long row. It's a long ways. To the water jug. I'll tell you. I mean a long way. And you didn't stop in the middle of the field. For water. You had to, you had to hoe every bit of the grass. And chop that cotton. Until we got to the end of the row. And we always had a wagon there. Now, this was not back in ancient times, but we had an old wagon there, and I'd get up underneath that wagon, and I'd literally pour water in my face. Dear, this is so great. And you see, this is what he said, when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, notice what he says. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. See, God wants you to do what? Learn. Let's say that together. Learn. Let's say it again. Learn. The carnal mind cannot know the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually discerned. God wants you to know the way of the Spirit. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest. Let's say that together. Rest. Let's say it again. Rest. <clears throat> you see, rest here really means Sabbath. It means Sabbath. Now under the law, six days they labored. And on the seventh day they rested. And true conversion brings rest and relaxation. The hardness is not in being a Christian. The hardness is in giving up. And when you learn of the Lord, and you learn of what God has prepared for you, I mean, right here in this life, I, I can truthfully say, listen, knowing the other side of the fence, 
And when I say the other side of the fence, I'm talking about the other lifestyle because I have not always been a Christian. I do not know, hear me carefully, of one person in this planet Earth that I can point my finger to and say, I would trade places with them. I don't know of one. Do you know the reason why the world has to have all of the Hollywood actors and such as models? Because by and large, they're dissatisfied with their present. They have to have someone they can idolize. And somebody they can dream. I want to dress like her and look like her and be like her. I want to dress like him and look like him and be like him. Now, please understand this, but you know, you know, a fad can hit the hit the hit the market. I'm going overtime. A fad can hit the market, and all of a sudden, all the girls have all this special twist and all this in the hair. I said, "What's all this special twist?" They said, "Oh, don't you know that's Farrah Fawcett." And then they told me, said, oh, you know, over at the supermarket, you go through there and you see this girl with this bikini on and she's all strutted back and everything. I said, you mean to tell me that people are trying to model after her? After her? I mean, after her? And I said, what's this business? She got Farrah Fawcett hyphen majors. They said, oh, that was her former... Husband, oh, you mean she's divorced? Yeah. Well, who in the world would want to tell me, pray tell me, who would want to model after somebody like that? Friend, this is where real life we're living. This is not dream world. And, and you see, this is what is happening in our world. See, they, they just follow after things like this. Now, <clears throat> please understand that I want to give this girl all the credit that, that I can possibly give her but on the other hand I can't feature why in the world that a whole whole planet would want to just go fix their hair like somebody like this beats me <clears throat> but you see in the world you have to you have to model after why why do you have to do this see but you see, in the Lord, you can just be yourself, and you can relax and enjoy life. I don't know of anybody I'd trade positions with. Now, notice what he says. For my yoke is terribly hard. It's so hard to be a Christian nowadays. Everybody persecutes you, and they speak so evilly of you. You're just so mistreated and so abused. To be a Christian is just, oh, it's the worst thing I could possibly think of. You think of all the rules the church has. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. And thou shalt not do this. Oh, I tell you, if you want to be a real, true, blue, hardcore Christian, you've got to just suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. It's just terrible to give your heart to God and give up. Now, you see, that's what the devil makes you feel. See, the hardness is not in the life itself. The hardness is in conversion. It's the giving up. He said, my yoke is what? Easy. In other words, he's saying, team up with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is heavy, light. Giving up. Would you stand with me this morning? But you don't really just start out for God because of what you get out of this present world. I wanted to point out some things that I felt were very necessary for you to understand. But notice the promise that Jesus gave. He said, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time? And, notice this, and in the world to come, life. Everlasting.
life everlasting. You know, you have to think about tomorrow. There are certain people who are impetuous spenders. Every time they get a dime, they spend it. And every time they can charge something on their MasterCard or Visa, they do. And they become literal slaves. Literal slaves to the people they owe. They just can't control themselves to stay out of debt. They can not control themselves to stay out of debt. I talked with a neighbor friend of ours who is still an alcoholic. You know what she told me? She said, Pastor, I never intended to be an alcoholic. I never did. Why did you become an alcoholic? She said, well, she said, I just, seemed like every day I just wanted to drink. And I got to thinking, now what would hurt if I just took this, this one drink today? And she said, you know, after a while it was every day that way. And I became an alcoholic. She said, I know I could experience the new life. And I would enjoy it. I know I would enjoy it because I remember the days in which I was not an alcoholic. But the problem is in giving up this liquor. I've talked to people who were deep in debt that had this to say. I don't know why I feel I need all these things. I remember years gone by back on the farm when we never had anything. I can truthfully say I was a whole lot happier than what I am now. But I can't control my spending. The hardness is not in the new life. It's in the giving up. And it's that way in living for God. The hardness is not in a life of rest and ease in Jesus. It's in turning loose of that which selfish humanity struggles with. If you can overcome conversion. You'll be happy. And there is an altar on both sides of our pulpit here. That's open right now for you to come and pray. You can meet the Lord here. And we have Christian workers that would be glad to come. And kneel down with you. Counsel with you and help you. In making your turn. Who would like to be the first one to come? And pray this morning. Praise God. Sister Grant, let's sing the chorus, Jesus be the Lord of all. For a better way, would you give up the present? Would you do it? For life everlasting, would you give up the present? God wants you to. Let's sing it right now with Sister Grant. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all.